Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker. Are you in need of legal help? Are you about to go bankrupt? You've got debts you can't meet with creditors knocking on the door. You need someone in the legal community to help you deal with these, but do you need a lawyer? Well, there are services out there that are available to consumers, making the legal system more accessible, but there are not enough of them, according to my guest today. We really need to increase the accessibility of consumers to having legal services that aren't as expensive as just having to hire a lawyer. And our guest today knows all about it. He is a lawyer, but he's also the executive director of Responsive Law which is a nonprofit organization dedicating to making the law more accessible to consumers. And we would all agree with that, Tom. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Shirley. And now you came out with a list of some of the most significant things that happened in 2022. And uh, actually, one of the things to me is appalling. It's not something that just happened last year, but it's something that's ongoing. And that is what you list as number five. The U.S., this is the what you wrote. U.S. continues to provide worse access to legal help than the world's poorest countries. Now, that was an attention grabber, Tom. Describe for our listeners what you're talking about in this in this uh, item. Sure. Uh, there is a, an organization called the World Justice Project. Uh, and what they one of the things they do is they issue an annual rule of law index. Uh, what the rule of law index does is it uh, looks at how the rule of law is applied in various dimensions across a hundred and some different countries. And uh, they rank the countries in all these categories compare them by geography by uh by economic strata and uh, the us has consistently done relatively well in all these categories uh one glaring exception though is a category about whether people can afford and access uh legal help and uh, although the us tends to rank among the very top in the world in most categories in this one they end up uh near the bottom they are uh in the uh, you know in the company of countries there, I guess first thing to look at is compared to other countries in Europe and North America, they're below all of them. They're worse than their geographic group. They are worse than any. They rank worse than any country among the top quarter of countries economically. They work. They rank worse than any country even in the top half of uh, countries economically. So there, uh, you'll find that countries with very few resources uh, are still able to find better legal help for their citizens than the U.S. does. Uh, And so this is really one way of quantifying the problem uh, and and measuring it, that the U.S. is just terrible at this. And it's not that we don't have the resources to provide legal help for everybody. It's that we put up too many barriers to people getting that help. Yeah, we're going to talk about some of those barriers um, and some of the things that have happened during the course of last year was uh, very indicative of the barriers. Um, But let me just put it in a little further perspective for our listeners. United States, for those services, was the fifth, 115th out of 140. And we were ranking with the 17 poorest countries in the world. 
And that's, that's right. pretty appalling to me. Yeah, if you look at the poorest uh, countries in the world, those 17 poorest countries, uh, we're smack in the middle of them. Um, wow. So, wow. Yeah, we're breaks my heart. As an average, really poor country does. Well, let's talk about one of the things that you um, came up with that you talked about. And that is the California legislature did something that is kind of indicative of what's happening in terms of access to the legal system. And would you tell us about the legislation that um, was up for, was trying to be approved, I think. Anyway, tell us about what went on in California. Sure. This is a, a long saga, and I've talked about parts of it on your show before, but I'll try to summarize it within the uh, confines of your show. Uh, so the in California, the uh, the State Bar of California, which is uh, the regulatory organization, they're, they're the regulators of the legal profession uh, that's distinct from the California Bar, sorry, California Lawyers Association, which is the trade group for lawyers. So the State Bar of California, the regulatory agency, which does still consist of a majority of lawyers, had uh, authorized a couple of working groups to look at some of the regulatory reforms that responsive law has supported, uh, things like allowing new efficient business models that aren't currently permitted under rules governing lawyers, uh, and things like allowing some sort of licensure for non-lawyers to help people uh, provide services directly to consumers. And uh, these have been moving pretty far along in these working groups. These working groups have been working for a couple of years, and we're getting close to making recommendations. Um, and having attended a lot of these hearings virtually and testifying at many of them, uh, really the only opposition to these proposals that were taking shape was coming from uh, trial lawyers. Um, there's you know, groups of lawyers that were very opposed to these things, uh, presumably because they are benefiting from the status quo and, uh, and certain trial lawyers at least are happy to keep things how they are because they get to uh, see all the business come their way and innovative businesses that might undermine their business structure uh, and their profits would, uh, you know, they like keeping those folks out of the, out of the business. And so um, the, what happened was, although these trial lawyer groups were not having much success in stopping these reforms in the working group, uh, what they were able to do was go to the California legislature, which approves the, uh, the dues bill for California's lawyers. It's a very unusual situation there where in most states, uh, the state bar dues are set by the state bar, but in California, uh, because of the, uh, some provisions in state law, they are set by the state legislature and the uh, bar cannot impose membership fees unless it gets approved by the legislature. And so as part of the bar bill that gets passed every year, uh, they included, uh, because the trial lawyers urged them to, a provision that basically shut down these working groups. It said money that you collect from, uh, from dues cannot be used to continue these sorts of working groups. Um, and this was done with very little debate and really without, um, you know, without, I think, a lot of the legislators understanding what was at stake here and under, not understanding how these reforms would benefit consumers. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we had reached a point where California was hope we were hoping going to really open up things for, you know, one in eight uh, people in the country who need legal services, but instead uh, got shut down entirely, not on the merits, but just on the uh, politics of the issue. Well, I remember we have talked about this and it seemed to be a bright spot on uh, for consumers and access to the legal system. But unfortunately, as you said, the California legislature um, listened to somebody other than consumers. And and it was it, it really was a, a sad thing. 
I'm Shirley Rooker. You're listening to Of Consuming Interest here on the Federal News Network. My guest is Tom Gordon. He's the executive director of Responsive Law, which is a nonprofit dedicated to making the law more accessible to consumers. Um, Tom, talking about what was happening in California, um, it sets us up for what happened. You, you have gotten a real jewel on your board of directors. And you wrote about that as one of the top events of 2022. Tell us about what that event was. Sure. Uh, let me give a little background here. Uh, you mentioned, you know, that California leads into this. And California was uh, one of the reforms they were thinking of enacting was what's known as a regulatory sandbox uh, for legal regulation. And uh, basically, that allows uh, new types of businesses that include things like sharing fees between lawyers and non-lawyers, which are currently not allowed, basically allows new business models that lawyers can't currently enter into uh, to uh, serve consumers and to be monitored for their level of consumer satisfaction. Uh, and so really this is great on a couple of fronts. One, of course, it opens up the, uh, the available choices for, uh, for consumers who need legal help, uh, but also, uh, it does something that doesn't happen in the traditional provision of legal services, which is it provides some level of regulation and oversight of legal businesses themselves. Uh, oversight in the legal profession is done at the lawyer level, not at the business level. So uh, generally speaking, if there's a problem uh, with legal services, you can only go after a particular lawyer to get that made right. You can't go after their firm. And so there's not a lot of incentive for firms to provide data or uh, um, about how their uh, customers are doing and how their customers are uh, benefiting from their services. So this regulatory sandbox in Utah launched a, a couple of years ago, uh, sorry, three years ago now, I suppose. Uh, and uh, since its launch, the companies that have had these new business models in the sandbox have been reaching a lot more consumers. And what we found is really interesting is that there's uh, statistics coming out now that uh, of every 2,000 uh, services delivered, there's less than one complaint for every 2,000 services delivered. Uh, I think that is incredible. And what it what it does is present it for consumers' choices and um, ways to get consumer help, legal help, because that's one of the things that we hear at Call for Action. People call us, we help them, and of course we don't have a fee, but we're not lawyers. We can't give them the services they need, or we're not even, um, you know, we we can't be accused of practicing law without a license. So um, having availability of services. And now, but there's something more to that story, isn't there? Right. So uh, one of the main reasons this came about in Utah uh, was uh, because of one of the justices on the Utah Supreme Court. The state Supreme Court, in addition to hearing in every state, really, the state Supreme Court doesn't only hear cases. That is obviously a major part of their job, but they're also regulators of the legal profession. Uh, and one justice on the Utah Supreme Court, Justice Dino Hamonis, uh, was really a driving force in this establishing this regulatory sandbox. He worked with the bar and with other groups in Utah to push this forward. And he saw the need for consumers to have more realistic access to legal help that they weren't getting from the current system. Uh, and so uh, Justice Simonis uh, stepped down from the Utah Supreme Court in March to go into private practice uh, after many years of service there. And uh, shortly after stepping down, he joined our board of directors as president of the board of directors. And so we are 
thrilled to have Justice Simonis's energy, enthusiasm, and knowledge uh, helping us as we push these reforms forward. Creative ideas that he comes with. Welcome, right? Yeah, Absolutely. I thought that was great news for you all, Tom, and, and congratulations on that. I'm sure that uh, he knew your reputation and how you all were out there fighting the good fight for consumers, and that's a that's a great thing. Um, well, let's move on to how the federal courts um, and the non-lawyer advice program. Now, this was item number three, um, and it was a pretty positive thing, I believe. Can you put that in perspective for us? Absolutely. So um, last year, uh, there was a court case in federal court, New York, about uh, brought by a uh, nonprofit called Upsolve, uh, and they uh, provide bankruptcy advice. But what they were looking to do in this case is they wanted to expand their work and use uh, expert non-lawyers to provide free legal advice to people facing debt collection, basically assisting people in filling out uh, a simple form that New York provides, well, simple by you know, lawyer standards, a uh, simple form that New York provides for people facing debt collection matters. And uh, they said, look, we'd love to do this program, but we're afraid that if we do it, we use these experts who have been trained about how this form works and what people need to do when they're facing debt collection. Uh, these people aren't lawyers. We're afraid we're going to get in trouble for unauthorized practice of law or UPL. Um, and so they went to court asking uh, federal court to grant an injunction against the New York attorney general saying it's unconstitutional to enforce this against us because this is just First Amendment protected speech. We're providing advice. We're not standing up and representing people in court. We're not. Uh, we're also not charging for our uh, services. This is free. And so much like you would get advice on any number of things from people uh, and that's protected by the First Amendment, this should also be protected. Uh, and the federal district court in New York agreed and has uh, granted an injunction saying that this pro this program may go forward and that the New York attorney general can't enforce UPL laws against them. Uh, I think that's course, great. Mm -hmm. yep. And so this, of course, um, was not something that the New York attorney general wanted to uh, let stand. So it's gone up on appeal to the Second Circuit uh, federal court. And uh, we filed an amicus brief there pointing out not only that uh, this is a First Amendment violation, but also that it's a First Amendment violation, not only of the rights of uh, this organization to provide information, but also there's a First Amendment right of people to receive information that's been upheld by the court over the years. Um, and so we pointed out that this is a very important part of that right, that these people are not getting good information often on their own. If they have expert information available to them, that's an important part of their First Amendment rights to receive that information. Uh, the other thing we made a strong point about in our brief is that uh, the alleged reason that these unauthorized practice of law restrictions are in place is to protect consumers. Um, and it's really, A, it's hypocritical to protect consumers from, uh, from what might be perceived as, for some reason, inadequate legal advice by telling them they should have no legal advice. Uh, and furthermore, these unauthorized practice of law restrictions have always had uh, this consumer protection uh, angle as a fig leaf, particularly in New York. There's a long documented history of how in New York State, these restrictions went into place really around the beginning of the Great Depression as an economic protection matter, uh, for protection for the existing members of the bar against not only um, people who were providing services who weren't lawyers, but even against certain lawyers who were perceived as the outsiders. There was a 
uh, certain, you know, there was a lot of uh, these rules were, that they put in place, not about UPL necessarily, but a lot of the ones that went in place alongside them about who got to practice law ended up discriminating and were intended to discriminate against minority lawyers, against black lawyers, against Jewish lawyers, against Catholic lawyers. Uh, and so uh, there's a long history of these uh, of these UPL rules and other rules being put in place not to protect consumers, but really to protect the economic interests of people who are already benefiting in the profession. Yep, uh, you could you put it very well. Let's take a brief pause here to let our listeners know they're tuned into Of Consuming Interest on the Federal News Network. My guest is Tom Gordon. He's the executive director of Responsive Law. It's a nonprofit dedicated to making the law more accessible to consumers. And Tom, you really do a wonderful, wonderful service for us. Um, when I say for us, I mean for consumers. Um, before we go into the last one here about is the a, the American Bar Association a friend to consumers, um, just tell people what how they can find you, what your website address is, et cetera. Sure. We are on the web at responsivelaw.org. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at responsivelaw. Um, and we're Facebook as well on Responsive Law. And uh, we're telling you about all the work we do. If you wanted to see this uh, top five list that Shirley's been referring to, that's on our website. It's a tab entitled Top Stories 2022. And all these stories are right there and you can read all you want to about them. Lots of information there. It's really a good website. Now, let's talk about the American Bar Association which it turns out from some of the things that's been happening, it doesn't seem like they're very friendly to consumers. You want to put that into uh, your thoughts, Tom? Sure. Uh, the ABA is, I mean, the ABA does a lot of things uh, about legal regulation, but the interesting thing about the ABA is that they actually aren't a regulatory body. They are uh, purely a trade association for lawyers. Now, states often take their lead from ABA policies uh, but they're in no way bound to do so. Uh, what's interesting is that the ABA not only is a trade association and not a regulatory body, and so their interest is purely that of lawyers, but they don't even represent a, a good cross-section of lawyers. Uh, they're uh, representing generally, uh, it's overwhelmingly skewed towards sort of you know legacy lawyers, folks who have been uh, practicing in traditional practices, often in uh, you know in large firms or in firms that uh, are not necessarily uh, doing what we would refer to as people law. Uh, they may be doing corporate law or richer people's law, um, but the people who are you know, really doing people's work are generally the ones uh, more often who don't have the time to spend on ABA uh, politics. And so people who are out there spending a lot of time helping people solving problems like family law issues, bankruptcy, employment law, uh, landlord-tenant matters, those people are you know, working really hard to uh, to keep their lights on in their businesses and uh, and serve the public. So the ABA often votes to adopt various resolutions. And one of the ones they did uh, this year was they voted unanimously to adopt a resolution that reaffirms their opposition to lawyers sharing fees with non-lawyers. Again, this is something that's uh, that is in most states other than a handful not allowed. Uh, the ABA, ABA has already voted against it. It's uh, a really anachronistic restriction about uh, how lawyers can set up their businesses. Basically, it prevents lawyers, the, the net effect is it prevents lawyers from scaling up their businesses in the way that other types of businesses would. So the reason you don't have, say, a 
uh, a Jiffy Lube or an H&R Block of uh, law firms or of lawyers is that those businesses can't exist because lawyers have to provide their own capital to start a business. They can't get investment in their business from outside. Um, and this works really well for a lot of the folks in the ABA because those are the folks who are benefiting from the status quo. Um, but what the ABA is doing is basically saying we're going to speak on behalf of a small minority of lawyers uh, who don't even represent all lawyers and certainly don't represent consumer interests. And we're going to vote to reaffirm a position we've already taken, even though there's been no move uh, from anyone in the ABA to go in a different direction. So um, really what we what I put this in the top five for was it's a story, but it's also a non-story. It's really about the ABA's dwindling relevance in these matters. Um, and I think until the ABA really uh, starts to rethink its, uh, its position on these things, it's going to continue its slide into irrelevance. Well, we're not trying to uh, say bad things about lawyers. We're just trying to say, let's open up the legal system to consumers and giving them more avenues. I mean, for example, when you talk about offering services to people who are, are in the need to declare bankruptcy, it seems to me a no-brainer. They need somebody to help them, but they can't afford to pay a lawyer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it just it's a little uh, frustrating for people who are in the consumer world. And I think I know it's frustrating for you, Tom. So we only have a couple of minutes. What would you suggest? Consumers get out there and make their voices heard. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I mean, when we, you know, we'll be continuing our efforts, uh, even with California's uh, reform efforts being put on hold, we'll be continuing in other states as these matters uh, do continue to move because there is support behind reforming these restrictions on how people can get legal services. And so uh, please keep checking back with our website and our Twitter feed, and we will let you know where uh, these things are happening near you. And a lot of these hearings are uh, places where the public is invited to speak, although not well publicized, but we publicize those. So if you are in one of those states, you can let your uh, sometimes unelected representatives know about the, about the issues and let your Supreme Court justices and your state bars know how you feel about this so that you can get that true consumer voice out, uh, not just through us, but on your own as well. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I really didn't talk about my favorite subject because you and I talked about it before we went on the air and, and I, that was small claims courts. And I ask you, are small claim courts ever going to get the amount they allow consumers to sue for ever getting into realignment with the real world today and the expensive world today we're living in? But anyway, that's a fight we'll fight another time, Tom. Uh, at any rate, um, you've been giving us some great information, and I do encourage consumers to make their voices heard because we do need assistance. We need legal. We need lawyers. That We need them very much. But let's also give consumers a little bit more access to some of the things that they could through through other uh, uh, other options. So, again, give us your website, Tom. Sure. That's responsivelaw.org. Uh, and again, all this information and much more is there. Yep, they're a nonprofit organization doing really, really good work. Um, and let me just just say, Tom, it's been a treat to have you on. I really read these uh, these events that occurred last year with a great deal of interest. There's hope there, and then there's discouragement. So, um, you know, as you say, we got to get out there and fight the good fight. So, we thank you for joining us. Always very informative. Well, people, you have been listening to of Consuming Interest. My guest has been Tom Gordon. 
who is the executive director of Responsive Law. And that's uh, there. It's a nonprofit dedicated to making the law more accessible to consumers, you and me. I'm Shirley Rooker. And if you can reach me, it's Shirley at callforaction.org. And thank you for joining us. Of Consuming Interest is a public service program presented by WJLA 7 Call for Action, hosted by Shirley Rooker. Call for Action is an international nonprofit network of hotlines which offer free and confidential assistance. If you have a complaint, contact Call for Action at 301-652-HELP. That's 301-652-HELP.